0: Everyone, My
1: name is Michael Kaiser and I'm John Wilson, and welcome to another episode of make ours Marvel. This is the 159th episode of the podcast that is taking you on a journey, a trek, a stroll through the memories and memoirs of the Marvel superhero universe. We started in episode one with the fantastic four, number one in November, 1961, and we have made it all the way through to Technically, we're still in June 2000, or not 2000, 1967, (laughs) but that's because the first week of comics that would have come out on July 4th got pushed back a week to June 29th, which was a five-week month. So, you know, we're we're, kind of sort of in July. I don't really like uh, these months. It's like deceiving. It is deceiving, especially when you're looking at the list of all the books for a month. It's like 25 books one month and two the next.
0: Yeah. But- Oh, after you go over uh, what we're doing tonight.
1: Oh, I guess I should. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be finishing out this current week of comics with Tales of Suspense 94, Daredevil King Size Special 1, Thor 144, in the monthly Daredevil comics starting a new week, uh, Daredevil 32.
0: Which means it's a double DD episode tonight.
1: Double DD episode. Which sounds dirty, but it just means two daredevils, so get two daredevils together. Yeah, that's all, yeah, that's all right? it means. It'll probably never happen again. Okay, so to half the population it sounds dirty, and to the other half the population it just sounds like normal life, because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we, 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 we fetishize things that are just absolutely normal <laughs> <Right>? things. <laughs> So so yeah. Um, Sexual politics aside, though, should we dive into Captain America and uh, Iron Man?
0: Yay! Tales of Suspense number ninety-four. If this be Modok, and he is kind of on the cover. I just realized I never noticed that before. Way up in the little far hairstyle. Yeah, but it's mostly Cap punching AIM guys, and it looks cool. Um, But first, we have Iron Man: the tragedy and the triumph. Having drained his transistors, gosh dang it, he's always doing that. In a desperate struggle to defeat the gigantic Titanium Man, the Great Golden Avenger lies helplessly on the floor, knowing that his only chance for survival is to play dead. But then, a far more fearsome problem suddenly arises. But before we get to that, look what's happened. Once again, Stan the Man Lee and Gene the Dean Colon have topped their previous triumphs. And leave us not forget the Able Assists, Dan Atkins Inker, and Sam Rosen Letterer. So this didn't just come up. This was the cliffhanger of last issue. But basically, uh, what's his name? Half-Face wants Titanium Man to go kill a poverty-stricken town and blame it on the Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and Iron Man is like frozen on the floor listening to this going, oh, I can't let that happen. Um, they leave him there because that's how you do in 1967, I guess. And they leave him there in a room full of generators. And Tony Stark is smart. And can make atoms and stuff, so he can certainly use a generator to power his uh, iron suit, which he does. He pulls, like, a universal adapter cable out of his discs on his hip and figures out how to, like, splice the generator cord and pushes it, you know, pushes them together, I guess. And he also apparently developed this, like, new quick charge uh thing on his chest plate so not he doesn't have to sit there for like an hour while everybody wonders where tony stark went now it takes like five seconds so instant charge he's back on his feet he uses his uh repulsor thing at a in a fine uh uh fine 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 beam to like laser his way out of the confines of of wherever the heck laser face or laser face <laughs> half faces is half taser half taser <laughs> taser face um he encounters some, um, uh, uh, you know, regular soldier guys, but they're no match for him. He gets to Titanium Man. Titanium Man, meanwhile, is starting his the procedure of, uh, or you know, the plan of killing the small town. All these people are running away. Iron Man shows up and they get into a fight. While they're fighting, Half-Face realizes, remember last issue, how he lamented that he hasn't seen his wife and his child in a long time? Well, it turns out they're living there. In this village that he's trying to have destroyed, and blame on the Americans. So he's like, "Hey, hus- wife, kid, it's me, your half-faced husband, and you should get out of this town, quick." And the wife's like, "No, I'm gonna stay here, and we'll share whatever fate the rest of the villagers, you know, suffer." And he's like, "Wow, you're really cool. You're way cooler than me. You're really making me give me a change of heart." And while he's having that change of heart, Iron Man. Uh, flashes back to the five seconds ago when he used his repulsor beam in a really tight uh, formation to, to laser his way out of something. And he does the same thing to Titanium Man and it kind of works. And it also allows him to uh, get behind Titanium Man and open up like his, I don't know, lid and rip out wires. And all that serves to make Titanium Man dizzy and he's on a bridge By the way, he is super giant, way more giant than I realized last issue, Uh, like Goliath size. And he falls. And that's the end of Titanium Man. And then Half-Face is like, you've defeated my greatest creation, but you know what? I'm not going to serve my oppressors anymore. My wife and my child have reminded me that I'm a good person. And Iron Man's like, okay, well, I'll just report that Titanium Man and Half-Face are both gone. Because that's kind of the truth. Next. Another surprising new change in the life of Iron Man. Oh, so and that f- guy, uh I forgot that guy, the mysterious guy from last issue, makes another visit to look for Tony Stark. But oh, this that's time right. this time instead of just taking no for an answer, he beats up the security guy and breaks in. So we still don't know who he is.
1: <laughs> well, I do, but I'm not telling. Okay. How'd you feel about this one? I mean,
0: it was cool. I don't know, this whole story arc has just kind of been a little ho-hum for me. I don't know why.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh was this a three-parter or a two-parter? This is three parts. Uh,
1: this is the third, I think, of the half-face because we didn't see Titanium Man until the second part.
0: Right. So the first one was like him just meandering his way through the jungle, not being hurt by guards. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is him getting defeated by Titanium Man. And the third one is him fe- defeating the Titanium Man and letting half-face get away with it. And I don't know if I feel, what I feel about that.
1: So friend of the show, Jason Venable... Mm -hmm. Um, started a read through of Marvel about a year before we started the show. But in that time, he got way far ahead of us and was going faster than us. There's no way we're ever going to catch up to him. Mm -hmm. He's like in the late seventies now. Yes. But I remember seeing some of his posts about Iron Man from this era and like the few years after. Uh Uh-huh. And he seemed to be very weary of Iron Man. And I put, I finished this chapter and I was like, I think I'm getting bored.
0: Yeah. Iron Man's kind of our resident commie smasher. Uh-huh. Uh So there's a lot of that, which is kind of boring. Like Hulk, Hulk used to get that a lot. Now he doesn't seem to have that anymore. But like suddenly Iron Man's like the national hero and has to take on Russia and Asia and all this stuff. Uh, and there's
1: some nice art, like the big titanium yeah. panel on page six looks good. Sure. Um, half Face's design is kind of crap, but he's drawn well. Um I am not an Asian man, but... From my perspective, it seems like he's drawing these – I think we decided they were Vietnamese mm-hmm. uh, people realistically without making them cartoonish.
0: Yeah, yep. I agree with that. I noticed that too.
1: So the art's good, but it's just like there's there's so little pathos except for the little bit at the end.
0: Yeah. I mean, if this wasn't being drawn by Gene Colan, like if it was being drawn by a horrible artist or something, like this would be really a struggle to get through. Mm-hmm. Probably. But you know what it is? It's like his – his uh supporting cast are gone.
1: This is true. He has been stripped of a supporting cast and not gotten anybody new.
0: Like a Kate like the last time he interacted with Pepper, it seemed so slapped on. It was that Mole Man story, remember? Mm-hmm. And then like later on they're just like, Hey, we got buried off camera. What? And now they haven't yeah. been
1: around since. It's No they left. Weird. They basically left the book.
0: Yeah. So even that even that mythology is like gone now. This idea that he has to uh Suffer not being with Pepper.
1: So Iron Man adventures can be fun, but mm-hmm. this one's not super fun. But he also has no Tony Stark life to like engage us with the character as a person. Yeah. The so last time,
0: I, the last time he was Tony Stark life, he was like remember overcompensating and dating like every woman in the world and right, which was an that,
1: interesting story. You know, yeah, an, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping for better things. It says the surprising change in his life at the end. I have no idea what that's going to be. Because as I said before, we have gotten to the era of Iron Man that I've never read before.
0: He's going to change his discs. They're going to be higher capacity.
1: <laughs> a change in costume. That's my surprising... No.
0: He th- no, we know that's, that's not
1: He sticks with his costume for like a decade, right?
0: Yeah, a long time. till the um, 80s, I think.
1: What do you think about this whole half face? Is like, oh my family's here I guess I was doing a bad thing I will not do bad things anymore
0: yeah that's what I was wondering like should he get away with it but at the same time I don't know his history to know if he's been a horrible monster this entire time mm-hmm. or if this was his first venture as trying to kill people because mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't tell from his from his origin story how long he's been suffering working for his oppressors as he puts it
1: true we don't get a timeline just a
0: and what, what has he know. been doing? Is he just inventing things for them? Or has he been actively like hurting people? And I don't remember. Actually, it has been a long time because the whole point was Iron Man was assigned by the – or asked by the army to go take care of this legendary half face person. Mm. So I think he got off too easy probably. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. But I don't have anything else to say about this. But that's
0: – yeah. It's kind of like the re- – it's just like the rest of the episode – or <laughs> rest of the episode. The rest of the, uh, the story arc, it just seems very easy, the whole thing. Kind of. But meanwhile, Captain America, at least last issue, was my A-plus for the month. So let's see how it goes. If this be MODOK, the evil organization known as AIM, now lives again, only Captain America can rescue the lovely agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who has been captured while trying to learn AIM's greatest secret, the identity of MODOK. But Cap himself is now a prisoner of AIM reborn. From the Titanic typewriter... In peerless pencil of Stan the Manly and Jack King Kirby, embellished by Joe Sinnott, lettered by Sam Rosen. Is this the end of Captain America? Somehow we doubt it. Let's turn the page and see if we'll need a replacement. That's kind of funny they put it that way because he often needs a replacement. But anyway, he's about to get shot and then they're like, No, we're not allowed to kill prisoners unless MODOK gives us permission. And the guy with the gun's like, I'm really getting tired of MODOK. Yes, we're all tired of MODOK. We didn't mean to invent him, and now he's taking over everything, and this is horrible. But you know what? We have Captain America here. Why don't we have Captain America meet MODOK? <gasps> Larry, that's a great idea. So they press a button, and like, I guess this whole submarine has uh, you know, phased through wall ability because where he's laying – He gets phased through just kind of like Agent – whoops, I almost said Agent 13. Just like that mysterious agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. did last issue. And once he's phased through, his paralysis magically disappears. So he's like, where am I? What's going on? And as soon as he can't figure that out, he gets attacked by MODOK. And MODOK reveals himself. And we all know what MODOK looks like. Big giant head, tiny little body parts. Um, And Sharon's there. And she's like, you can't beat him. And he's like, well, you get the heck out of here while I'll try and beat him. He must have some weakness somewhere. So they start fighting, and MODOK just keeps lasering him and lasering him, and he keeps barely dodging it. Um, Meanwhile, the AIM guys are like, now's our chance. While he's distracted with Cap, um, and so they're, like, sneaking in, I guess, basically, while MODOK is distracted fighting Cap. Cap throws his shield, MODOK, like, takes it with his laser beam. But just as like, maybe Cap's maybe about to die. Um, all the AIM guys just come rushing in and they shoot MODOK. Um, and then they're like, thanks Cap for helping us kill MODOK. Now we're going to kill you as, as a, you know, thanks. And Cap's like, no, you're not. And he starts beating on them. One of them almost kills Cap, but agent this mysterious agent lady hi him. So she saves Cap's life. Um, then the, uh, the remaining AIM guys are like, okay, let's get the hell out of here. We can't beat Cap and Mysterious Agent Lady, so let's jump in a the submarine of the submarine, I guess. And they're about to close the door when Cap's shield, like, wedges in between so they can't escape without him. Um, so basically, Agent 13 and Captain America aboard the escape vessel and kind of take it over and tell them what to do, tell them to get out of here. Meanwhile, MODOK's left for dead, but he's like, I have one last thing I can do. I can shoot my laser beam into, I think it's like space or something, and it has a detonator. And um, Sharon's like, while they're like slowly floating away, Sharon's like, it's funny that I'm so into you, even though I've never seen your face. And Cap's like, yeah, I had a girlfriend like that once. I'm totally into it. That's my type. And then um, um, (laughs) MODOK explodes. The end. Next, the death of a legend.
1: So, Modok was on like three pages of this chapter.
0: Yeah, he was revealed, but uh, he didn't do much.
1: But he's—he um,
0: made a—he made a statement. He did. He <laughs> well, did. just vis- visually, like he's always been pretty amazing.
1: So, I've been sitting on the title for this episode for a while, but when I got to this actual chapter and read it, I realized that Modok is not an acronym yet. No, huh? They don't say what it stands for. Yeah. So this episode's titled designed only for comics with a K, but we don't actually get that reference in the story. (laughs) They, um, do they even say what AIM stands for? They put periods between the letters, but. Oh, the very, very first time we saw aim, it was on a sign that said advanced idea mechanics.
0: Okay, cool. I'm amazed that they didn't re reiterate that in this, but I don't think they did.
1: Um, they keep referring to her, even when she's the only one in the room as the female shield agent. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if if she's the only one in the room, you can just say the agent. She's the shield agent. She's here. She's, she's pretty
0: much the only agent of shield on the vessel. So.
1: Right. You don't have to clarify. Yeah. If you the guys Modoc- want to
0: talk if you guys want to refer to Captain America, you could just say Captain America, and then we'll know the difference.
1: Right. The Shield agent and the Captain. Uh-huh. Modoc's hair is so big. <laughs>
0: I like M.O.D.O.K. I don't know if everybody likes M.O.D.O.K., but he's, he's just <laughs> such a cool design in like the most bonkers way. Kind of like Arnim Zola, I guess. He's uh, kind
1: of like Hector Hammond, but Jack Kirby yeah, instead. Yeah. Was Hector first, probably? Uh, yeah. And he didn't get all swelled-headed in his first story, but I'm pretty sure he has it by now. Almost it's, definite, yeah. It's funny. One of my first
0: M.O.D.O.K. stories was when the Serpent Society was hired to kill M.O.D.O.K., and... um. That story ended very much like this story, where Modoc's just on the ground, kind of like a helpless
1: baby and can't do anything. Do we, we don't really see him out of his chair like that very often, do we?
0: No, that's what I was just saying. Like the one story, the first time I ever read a Modoc story, I saw him out of his chair, but normally you don't see him this helpless. It's kind of interesting. Yeah.
1: Do you ever, did you ever play Sonic the Hedgehog back in the day? A little bit. So whenever MODOK's flying around, I'm thinking, he has very Doctor Robotnik vibes. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, this was fun. I think last issue was more fun because it did more things. This is more like just kind of a fight mm. and escape situation, but resolving things. Yeah, but I sure hope she doesn't disappear. I don't remember. I should know, but I don't remember if she disappears again because I'm tired mm-hmm. of that. I want to see this move forward.
1: Uh, so I can I find out real quick if you want to know. I did look up the bad guy's next appearances, Um but before I talk about that, she says, where is it? You saved my life, yet I've never even told you my name. Right. Nor have I ever seen your face beneath that mask. Yeah. Remember whatever he said, tell that little lady we've got a date tonight? Uh-huh. She's never told her her, her name. So, like, are we thinking... No dates or yes dates, but she's keeping her name a secret because I don't know why.
0: Um, it can't be this cool, but I want to say this is exactly what Peggy said to him in that flashback. But since I don't know what issue that is, I can't look
1: it up. She did say that she had never seen his face. I he don't remember know if she name. said she's. I think he. Mm.
0: I don't remember. It would have been really cool if it was like the exact same dialogue, like some sort of parallel, but.
1: That would be cool. I. I feel like she didn't say I don't know, or that like, you don't. She didn't know his name, so it was weird whenever this woman was talking about Steve Rogers before, um, because she only, the the previous person only knew him as Cap.
0: Yeah, well, I can't remember um, if he knew her as Peggy or if she was called some like something. But anyway, I'd have to figure out what issue that was. It was quite a few issues
1: ago. So Sharon, I'm sorry, nameless shield agent is <laughs> a regular going forward. So oh, we're definitely good. moving into the. This is what's going on with them part of the story. Not them, but you know what I no, mean. No,
0: they. But I, I like that they uh um didn't immediately shoehorn her into the stories. Like they paced mm-hmm. it for quite a while. In fact, I am kind of impressed with their restraint, but uh now I'm getting tired of it. So let's a get her bit, in there. Bit. Let's get her in there and let's get this moving.
1: Modoc M- will not be back until issue one hundred and seventeen. So that's you know a good twenty issues away, twenty-three issues away, so two solid years of comics. And Titanium Man will not be back until Iron Man twenty two. So that's also like two years plus Captain of America
0: away. 117?
1: Yeah. That's the first
0: Falcon appearance. I don't even remember Modoc in that, but he probably was. He oh, yeah, it was he's a red in, skull thing.
1: Huh. Oh maybe they're together? I don't know. Maybe it's a flashback not- or something. I don't there know. is a flashback in 119, but I don't, I don't know. It's been. A, I've only read those once. It's been a while. Yes, it's been a while.
0: Alright, well, guess what you can tackle now?
1: Oh boy, it's been a <laughs> while since I've read this one too. Daredevil Annual 1. You know, I don't even have to think about it that much, actually. Why don't, why don't we uh, just
0: tell them what, what uh, episode we covered the Spider-Man Annual and just tell them to listen to that and switch out any word Spider-Man for Daredevil.
1: Yeah, only the thing is that's That story is better than
0: this. Oh, that's true. That would make Um, that story better than this.
1: This is not a bad story. It is. They're doing in their annuals this year. They're doing lots of villain team ups and they're doing lots of action fests. And as an action fest, it is perfectly sufficeable. But it is definitely an action fest. Here Mm. comes Daredevil the Man Without Fear, Electro and his Emissaries of Evil featuring a 39 page Slam-bang action thriller, plus features, pinups and a mixed-up meeting with Stan and Gene. Mm -hmm. Not a single reprint. Um, Daredevil, This Is It, Tiger, is the towering thriller all of Marveldom has been waiting for. Electro! Boogie-woogie-woogie. And his Emissaries of Evil. The world's most fearless fighting fanatic tackles five of his most fiendish foes. First, Fingley and Fenfall at Fonts. It's a symphony of action. Sorry, the F's got away from me there. (laughs) Okay, um... Dee Most Dangerous Adventure by Stan the Man Lee and Gene the Dean Colon, embellished by John Tartaglioni, lettered by Sam Rosen. Okay, you get the idea. Yeah, Old Fearless is taking a workout in his private gym, and it's a good thing he is, because he's soon going to need all the muscle he's got. Just watch and see. So it turns out Matt Murdoch has his own private gym. Mm-hmm. He uh, he actually owns this whole building, not just one or two floors of it. He, he, he He's the only one living here. So he works out in his gym. And uh, then he goes out swinging around. Electro meets the Matador. And Daredevil says, hey, I'm going to bust you all up. So he does. He busts them up. And then Gladiator gets his uh, costume on. And then we touch base with Stiltman. We find out that whenever Stiltman was left in the ocean after issue 27, <laughs> Electro swam out there and retrieved his body. So um, Foggy and Karen are like, huh, where's Matt? He's running late. And Daredevil says, Hey, um, I overslept. I won't be there today. And that's my supporting cast. So we're just going to keep on going. <laughs> um, Matador Shanghai's a boat. Daredevil Shanghai's Matador. Um, Stiltman shows up in an alleyway. Daredevil uh, does the whole Empire Strikes Back thing with the Hoth Walker guys on Stiltman. What else? He finds a little recording tape
0: that's foggy just leaving a message saying where are you i guess that's how they communicate
1: okay so he just leaves a little tape sitting there saying hey where are you and he's like oh i guess i should be matt murdoch for a while you know what all these guys have been attacking when it's dark and it's daylight now so i'm just gonna go hang out outside and wait for the dark to you know come again (laughs) we're gonna talk about that And guess who shows up? Leapfrog. And Daredevil's like, I recognize the sound of those springy flipper shoes anywhere. So he attacks Leapfrog and Gladiator shows up at the fight. Gladiator fights Daredevil. Um, The fight kind of makes its way to an electric plant. So we've got Matador and Gladiator and Leapfrog and Stiltman and Electro all fighting against Daredevil. And Daredevil slowly, one by one, takes all of them down. Lassos them all up and then goes to the office a little bit later. Says, hey, I heard there was lots of shenanigans while I was gone. Karen's like, we were so worried about you. He's like, yeah, I was just hanging out with my brother, Mike. Mm. The end. We almost got through the whole story. Um, it's a pretty simple story. It's really fun and action-y. Mm-hmm. And it's an annual, so I kind of excuse it because they're going to do you know special things for annuals. But there's not a whole lot for me as someone who looks for character and narrative to latch on in this one. Have you ever read any of the
0: Ann Nascenti Daredevil run?
1: Uh-uh. Well, there's a fun little bit,
0: like I think one of the double-size regular issues or something, where uh, Typhoid Mary finally, like, her master plan is, like, all these Daredevil rogues gallery, like, come out one at a time and take them on, you know, one after the other which reminded me a lot of this, except in that the rogues gallery was way better and Daredevil loses badly. But uh, So it kind of had that vibe. I liked that. But I was also just like, man, we haven't really developed much of a rogues gallery for Daredevil, have we? (laughs) No. Because Electro, to me, will always be a Spider-Man villain. I know it's early days, so right now I guess he could go either way, but we know he ends up being a Spider-Man villain. Uh,
1: He's actually going back and forth. He was an Amazing Spider-Man 9. Right. And and then one of your all time favorite issues, Daredevil two.
0: Yeah. The Sinister
1: Six annual. Yes. And now two years later he's here.
0: Right. But we know he's gonna leave Daredevil alone eventually. So this isn't just, really a Daredevil villain.
1: And I'm sorry, it's three years later.
0: Uh the Matador, like, come on. Gladiator is legit. I like him. And this explains how he got back from last time we saw Gladiator, remember they both got like teleported to some weird country or something?
1: That's uh, right. by he the, had the mass, mass marauder, marauder right?
0: Yeah, so he's getting flown back by Electro, so that's how he came back to New York, I guess. Uh, Stiltman's legit-ish, kind of comical, but definitely a Daredevil villain. Mm -hmm. And then we got (laughs) Frogman or whatever. I don't know.
1: Daredevil will have better villains later. Huh? And you know who the Matador is? Who? I did not realize this, but when the Hulk went to Spain Uh and fought the Matador who wanted to take over the world through bullfighting. Oh, no same dude really really but the
0: matador issue came out before that hulk story right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they just ret they just kind of flashback to him or something or retcon that
1: well, and so that story did take place, you know, in the previous because it was a flashback to After Avengers 3, which would have been before Daredevil's story right. started. So yeah, he was in Spain and fought the Hulk and then he came over here because he was kicked out of Spain. Yeah, I'm sure there's some retconning that explains how they're the same person, but the continuity does work.
0: <sighs> I did like the fight where the, the bit where he's like throwing his cape on Daredevil to blind him and it's like, thanks, I didn't do anything that was kind of fun
1: <laughs> just because I got horns on this cowl here <laughs>
0: uh, yeah um but yeah yeah um, right. I mean it's just a big fight but
1: yeah and at the end of page four it says nothing but action ahead with 35 pages still to go and I was like <gasps> okay
0: <laughs> we learn about his building kind of I've always wondered about that um because Didn't I know he owned that building well that's what I've always wondered because I know that he I've read issues in the future where he's like Got this gym and he's boxing and I was never understood like, is that all his or does he just go there and no one bothers him or what? And I don't know how he would own this whole building. So they we don't did. really explain it, but they do finally officially say that he does. so
1: We have yeah. seen him work out here before, but it, it was like he was in his apartment and he went downstairs. yeah And I was like, wow, so what is this? Does he own the entire floor does he work out here and like the people below him don't realize it? I feel like we joked about this a little bit.
0: Yeah, because he's always working out in his Daredevil outfit. So if it's, if it's a public gym, he's going to be screwed. Mm-hmm. By the way, he works out with sunglasses. That's odd.
1: Anyway. Oh, Speaking of um, odd things related to his vision or lack thereof. Okay. Now I'm honestly legit curious about this. I'm about to make some statements that I feel like are likely, but I don't actually know because it's not my experience. He says the baddies tend to attack him after it gets dark. Uh This is a visual cue. And Uh with his powers, with his radar sense and everything, I'm pretty confident he can't tell if it's light or dark out. So my initial impulse is to think that it's highly unlikely for a non-sighted person to casually consider timing things in terms of whether it's light or dark outside. Do you think I'm wrong in that? I remember there
0: was like a commercial that kept coming on for a while talking about some sort of medication that helped blind people sleep at night because they don't have, like... Circadian... Whatever it is that we we sighted people have that, that releases melatonin at a certain time of day or whatever. Mm-hmm. So maybe they do struggle with that, although, you know, Daredevil's a whole nother beast. Like, is there anything that he could sense that would allow him to know it's nighttime? I don't know what that would be. Drop in temperature? Uh, I don't know. He smells On the most moon. days,
1: the drop in temperature would work. But not always. But not
0: always, yeah. So does he have a sense of timing? I don't know.
1: And I'm sure he has a, 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 a you know, they have the watches that make sounds on the hour. Mm-hmm. So he can, I'm sure, keep track of time. But he's not talking about time. He's talking about the sun. Yeah. Anyways, it's just, it just seemed odd to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was legit worried that Man was going to drown in issue 27. So I'm glad Electro rescued him.
0: Yes. Good job, Electro.
1: Mm-hmm. Gladiator says that every bit of his costume is new, but it looks exactly the same. I was
0: wondering about that because, I, yeah, I was like, why does this not look any different if he's talking like it's a brand new outfit?
1: Maybe he just refashioned it, had to resew it all.
0: I thought maybe I just couldn't remember what he used to look like, but yeah,
1: that's what he looked like.
0: These guys have a name, don't they? Or no? Not in this issue? The
1: Emissaries of Evil.
0: (sighs) Yeah, that's a little highfalutin for this bunch, I think.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they don't really seem to have any sort of goal. They don't really seem to have any sort of cohesion until the very end. The fact that all of these guys are working together is almost a coincidence, not a reality of the story.
0: They they kind of make it suggest that it's Electra who's bringing them all together, but then there's no real scenes that prove that. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Because like in the beginning, when he encounters Mander, Mandarin, what's his name? Uh, Matador? talking Mm -hmm. to Electro, and Electro's like, yeah, I'm getting the band together to kill Daredevil. And then they defeat Daredevil, and it's like, well, we don't have to kill him right now because we're going to have a band. We're going to kill him later. But then, like, outside of Stiltman, and I guess Gladiator, like, thinking that Electro bought his plane ticket, there's really, like, you know, the Matador just kind of shows up, and the Frogman just shows up. and Yeah, it's a little bit disjointed. Stiltman just shows up.
1: One thing that's unusual about Electro in this, Colin draws the cloth of Electro's cowl
0: and you how oh. it gathers around his
1: neck and comes up under his chin, which Ditko oh. always avoided. With yeah. Ditko from, from his, you know, lower, from his collar up, it was just blackness around his head except for the star. Um, and so it, for the longest, longest time, I was like, well, what is on the back of Electro's head? Cause his whole head can't be the star. <laughs> right. But we still just never see the back of Electro's head. They never draw him that way. I
0: wonder if that's a rule. Never draw Electro's, the back of Electro's head. Could be. We see other You people. sort of see the green on it in the page, uh, page uh, 38, when he's so tied up. hmm You can see a green yeah. cow head.
1: And I envision, I envision that it's black. Yeah. Like I, I thought like the back of it, like from, from his collar up, his cowl was black. But I could be wrong.
0: It's kind of funny. Once the emissaries of evil get together and work together, that's when they're at their worst. Because <laughs> like Daredevil uses their un, you know uncoordinated attacks against them, their close quarters, and beats them all up, which is kind of funny. So much and for when teamwork.
1: He, when he has them all tied up, he tie he hooks the coil into an electrical current. Oh yeah. He says, "Don't worry, the police will shut off the current when they arrive." And I'm thinking, is. Is, is being held under a steady electrical current, is that, is that good for you? Wouldn't that kill you eventually or cause brain damage or a heart attack or something? Because you've got a lot of stuff going on that's electrical.
0: And also, I, I don't know enough about Electro, but at least from that Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie, he likes being fed electrical things.
1: Oh, poop on a stick. You're right.
0: So this that seems is not like a gonna, bad idea.
1: Yeah, this is just going to power him up. Right. Matt walks away and Electro busts them out and they all run off because they don't like working with Electro.
0: And also, I always think about that. Like, what do the cops do when they get there? Like, now they have to take on Gladiator, Matador, Stiltman, Electro. Like, these guys aren't unconscious. So you turn off the Mm -hmm. electricity. Do they then get attacked by the emissaries of evil and die? Or is it because they have guns, they'll be okay and they're the cops? I I always feel bad. I always feel bad, like... Hey, I captured Juggernaut for you. See you later. Huh? Mm-hmm. What do we do with him? I don't know.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I spent this entire issue feeling like, even though it was light on character and you know narrative, it did feel like Matt being Matt and yeah. Daredevil, sort of in a classic mode. And I was legitimately wondering what happened to Mike, because he's not mentioned till the very last page, and then just once. So yeah. I've been wondering... Does that story play out in the current arc in the monthlies? We just haven't finished that yet. So he's off the table here. That's what I was thinking. But then they mentioned him at the end. So that didn't matter.
0: And then they have an entire pinup of explanation on why he is.
1: <laughs> on how he's Mike and why he's Mike. Yeah, we get to the back matter in just a second. Uh, yeah. Um, I did the usual. Where do these guys go next? So here's the here's when we're going to see everybody again in order that we see them. Mm-hmm. We're going to see Gladiator and Iron Man seven which is really not very far off because we're in 90. We just did 94. So it goes to hundred and then it gets number one. So that's, um, it's like 107 Stiltman man is not until daredevil 48, which is about 16 months away. Mm. We don't get electro until amazing spider-man 82. Wow. That's a solid 30 months from now. Matador daredevil 129 oh no which is almost a hundred months from now that's good and leapfrog doesn't come back until the defenders 64 oh so that's like almost the 80s (laughs) wow and someone thought you know who needs to come back leapfrog probably freaking steve gerber (laughs) over (laughs) on the defenders writing gooky defenders comics let's get leapfrog Okay, inside Daredevil, we get some pages in the back of some back matter explaining Daredevil's um, heightened abilities, riotous radar sense, titanic sense of touch, built-in lie detector, how he can fight people um, and how his reflexes help him with his hearing. He can actually fight better than a sighted person because he can hear where people are going to be, that sort of thing. And then an explanation of what the whole Matt Murdock, Mike (laughs) Murdock thing is. We basically just watch Matt say goodbye to his friends, walk into the storeroom of the Daily Planet, and muss up his hair and put on a different jacket. hmm Then we get some pinups, a colorful collection of Dee Dee's cast of characters. Uh, Karen Page sitting at her desk with a rose and dreaming about smooching with Matt. Um, Foggy sitting at his desk with some books, dreaming about um, Karen band directing an orchestra of Matt's. <laughs> I think that's Matt's walking cane, but it sure doesn't look right, does it? Yeah, it's Matt's and Mike's. She's he's like, which one is she in love with? Whatever, got yeah. two competition. Kazar because you know Kazar cool, mm-hmm. uh, walking around town with Zabu and Daredevil swinging through town, sort of awkward looking because he's all four short because he's at a weird angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the galvanizing gladiator buzzing through stuff with his buzz saw. The larcenous leapfrog. The ominous owl. Pretty good shot of the owl holding an owl in a tree like an owl. And the masked marauder, who of course is dead. So this is in memoriam. We get a blueprint for an all purpose billy club, which has some stuff that absolutely makes no physical sense whatsoever. <clears throat> I push this button, and this little hook, wi- this little loose wire line sharpens into a hook at the end. Um, doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> and then this uh, apropos of nothing little story of Gene and Stan. Having a story conference, Jean's caught in the snow and goes to stand for help. And he's like, don't come to me. I don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And then they work on a story at the, at the office the next morning. Anyways.
0: So we kind of were a little dismissive of this. But I do have to say, like, as annuals go, this is kind of what you want in an annual, right? You want, first of all, I don't want reprints. I want mm-hmm. all new content. The ending stuff they give us is all super great. If I was, like, really into DD in 1967, like, All this is cool. The explanations, the pinups, it's Gene Colan, who's fantastic. And even like the story, like we said, is kind of light on content, but like he's beating up all the bad guys that he's fought so far. So in a way, that's kind of cool. It's like an event. The problem is, is when you're reading it, you also think, yeah, but Spider-Man did this a little better. So, (laughs) and he has better villains. Um, But, But it was, it was, you know, it was king size and it was special, I think.
1: It was a fun little first Daredevil annual. I'm looking forward to the second Daredevil annual, which is a long ways away from now whenever they're doing more stuff with their annuals and not just... Shouldn't it be a year? You would think so, but next year is the last annuals year. Oh, no. And they stopped for a while. Um, We were talking about lists of proto-kingpins back during the Kingpin story in Mm Spider-Man. I don't know if we mentioned the owl, but he was definitely trying to be a kingpin.
0: He was very much a kingpin, yeah. That was how I liked him the best, and then he went James Bond villain. But mm-hmm. yeah, he should have been in this somehow. But maybe he would—maybe he would have taken over because he's too big.
1: And we need to revisit the text on the leapfrog page. <laughs> yeah. If a hyph jumping frog were the size of a human and possessed of a human brain, he would be almost invincible. <laughs> so it was with the leapfrog. I remember that. I don't think I—I I don't think that's true at all. The proportionate strength and speed of a frog. And I have one last note on this, so we can move on. The Kazar page. Uh huh. Kazar has his uh, tiger, Zabu. Mm-hmm. The leash is a chain. Mm-hmm. And he says, What's wrong with a man walking his pet pussycat around town? Yeah. Okay, so I don't want to get gross. Uh-huh. But I did some looking on word usage because uh-huh. my brain, you know, linguists, etymologies. I'm always thinking about this stuff. This is 1967, swinging 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, we basically, we've kind of actually passed a lot of the swinging 60s. Where we're in the process of changing to the more moody 70s. So <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, surely by now, this word is a double entendre for any reader over the age of 11. right? So I looked it up because I was wondering, was it the 60s that this word became a thing? Or was it earlier? Turns out, we're talking centuries. Oh, people double entendre? Yeah, with this particular word. So, Mm. definitely documented in the English language in 1879, but probably used way farther back. And evidently, it was sometimes a word for a young woman, apart from any specific reference to body parts. Uncle Tom's cabin, little Eva's father, calls her a puss as a pet name. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of um, women, women's parts and all that other stuff being labeled this way has been going on for centuries. I just thought it was a relatively recent development because why are we still writing the word pussycat in children's books if it's been this way for so long?
0: Because it also means cat, maybe.
1: I guess.
0: But you could just say cat. What's wrong with a man walking his pet cat around town would have worked just as fine.
1: Right, because you know what doesn't actually mean its original meaning at all anymore? Hmm. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's well. it, anytime anybody said, No, I'm around 13 year olds all the time. You don't say that word, it doesn't even mean but the original. If your thing two anymore.
0: year old called you daddy, would you be like, Hey,
1: no? But the two year olds that. still learning how to pronounce their D's, so
0: right? But it means something to them, but yeah, I, I understand so. what you're saying.
1: Anyways, just random thoughts from John's brain. (laughs) All right. Is it back to me already again? It's back
0: to you. Thor 144, for Asgard, the one you've been waiting for, this battleground Earth. I don't know if I was waiting, but it's cool. Yeah. Uh, The battleground Earth, know ye all. Oh, boy. Even the captions are speaking Shakespeare now. Two of the three evil enchanters have landed upon our mortal planet to destroy the mighty Thor, whilst... The third has dared enter Asgard to challenge the reign of Odin himself, but Balder the Brave and the stunning Sif have managed to reach Thor first, bringing him a warning. Verily, thou hast been most completely clued in, conceived in grandeur and produced in majesty by Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby, embellished by Vincent Coletta, lettered by Sam Rosen. Before I get into it, I read that caption. Sometimes I read a caption and learn something. And I don't know if that's because I wasn't paying attention in the last issue or mm-hmm. if they didn't tell me that. But I don't remember that two enchanters went to Earth and one went to Asgard.
1: I had a similar thought. I feel like I knew about the two going to Earth. I wasn't sure if I remembered about the third going to Asgard. Hmm. Well anyway, I didn't go that's back what and look at it.
0: So good thing there's a caption. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Thor and Sif and Balder are in Don Blake's office still, and they're like, gosh, what should we do about this? When, what do they call this thing? The living talisman. So, like, these guys, these uh, enchanters have, like, control of the living talisman, and it's like a talisman that's living or something. Anyway, this energy face basically shows up at the window and says, here they're coming, and they're going to get you. And Thor doesn't like that, so he throws his hammer at it, and it dispels the face But then like the Enchanters are like, yeah, here we are on the street below you. Um, And so Thor and Sif and Balder confront while that's happening. um, One of the – what are they called? The Enchanters? The most powerful of the Enchanters, he says. Maybe the oldest or something. He breaks up a wrestling match that Odin has been enjoying. Odin and people have been enjoying. Um, And he challenges Odin to a fight back on Earth. Thor is first to confront them. Sif and Balder don't run as fast, I guess, and because of that, like one of the one of the enchanters like waves his hand and um, like telekinetically or something magically breaks the stone pavement where the three of them are standing, Thor and the two enchanters, and rises raises it, raises it into like practically space. It almost looks like I don't know, or at least somewhere above the sun. Um, So that leaves Baldur and Sif unable to help. Thor fights. They seem to have the upper hand, but every time they think they've defeated Thor, they haven't. Like one guy turns to energy and then he's like, I'm going to knock you off this rock. And then Thor's like, no, you won't. And he grabs his ankle and tosses him off the rock. And then he fights uh, the guy, only guy that's remaining. Um, And that guy, like, that's what he does. That guy, like, uh, uh, enchants Thor's hammer. And makes it super hot, so Thor actually doesn't want to hold it. So he, when he, when it's flying back to him magically, he ducks to not catch it, and then he's like, "Well, the only thing I know how to do to get this enchantment to stop working is to knock your face off." So he does that, and it works. Um, meanwhile, back on Asgard, Odin makes a boneheaded decision. The what is it? Why do I keep not knowing how to what to call them? The enchanters. It's really hard to remember. The, the Enchanter guy's like, hey, how about we both agree to remove the powers of our subjects before we fight? And Odin's like, sure, cool. So he does it and the Enchanter guy does it. And then immediately they start fighting. And their fight is like crazy epic. Everybody's just watching. It's almost like this meteoric lights in the sky and fire and brimstone and all this stuff. And But back on Earth... Baldr's like, hey, why don't you, hey, Sif, why don't you like use your awesome transportation power to get us up to that rock and help Thor? And she's like, because I suddenly realized I have no power. Something's wrong. Um, and then on the rock itself, both the two enchanters and Thor are like, gosh, we feel like we have no power too. Something's wrong. And the rock starts falling back to the earth, uh, which allows Baldur to chip in and help. And between the two of them, they like, between Thor and Baldur, they like knock out the two dudes who are now powerless. But Thor is also powerless. And Balder is also powerless. Um, and so they're like, gosh, we can't get back to Asgard. I wonder what's going on with dad. He's kind of old these days. So I'm worried. Next, abandoned on Earth.
1: Yeah, this was called this battleground Earth. And they fought in space the whole time.
0: It was space, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But other than that little nomenclature error, this was, this was fun. Do you think? Like he says he
0: depowers – because we all know that Odin provides the power for all these uh, gods, I guess, and what Mm -hmm. they can do. and uh, When Thor says he's not powered anymore, does that mean like he can't do lightning and thunder or does that mean he can't lift 100 tons anymore?
1: I'm going to go with lightning and thunder because he still has his physical essence. Right. He's not going to turn into a puddle of goo. He still exists.
0: Yeah, because he's all Um, like – Maybe I don't have my power, but I still have my strength. And then he punches the guy and knocks him out. So it's like, oh, do you? Okay.
1: Yeah, I don't think his, I don't think his strength comes from Odin. Okay. I'm also kind of surprised that Odin getting involved in a fight like that would really require everyone to have their powers gone or something.
0: I don't understand that. Um, let me. I couldn't remember my summary how that actually worked, but I'm pretty sure it was the other dude's idea. But I don't know why he convinced him. Now, Lord of Asgard, in thy final moments, remove the powers of thy subject, and I shall disclaim the use of my mystic talisman. Oh, so apparently, this talisman that they control is so scary that Odin was like down for depowering his entire people just so he didn't have to confront it. But we yeah, haven't really ta- seen what the talisman does, other than turn into a green energy face.
1: Right. The um, the challenger or the enchanter challenged him to a fight, mm-hmm. and um, oh, they're fighting over the Odin sword
0: yes that's right and odin's like Which, dude if you move that sword like all of the universe will be destroyed and he's like i don't care i still want it
1: he's like but since i said i challenge you you have to fight me it's the rules
0: yeah he challenged him in public apparently it's a rule that you have to accept
1: and odin's not going to just say okay i kill you <laughs>
0: um it's kind of a cool fight though or interesting that like there's no physical form it seems like when they're fighting
1: Hmm. so they're they grab the scepter uh-huh. Their power is going to flow. Whoever has the more power is going to survive. But before they do that, he's like, remove the powers of your subjects and I shall disdain the use of my talisman. I don't know. They want to have equal combat.
0: Yeah, but that didn't seem worth it. And how does it and make Odin equal?
1: Right. it says that the entire point of this is to see how unequal you are. Yeah. Because whoever whoever wins, wins. That's, that's inequality.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. But also... I won't use my talisman and you just depower your people, which has nothing to do with your own power. So like, how is that that even strange? It's just weird.
1: I like, um, on the front page, the guys are standing there and Sif's like, stay back boys. I got this. (sighs) Yeah. But I will I will complain that she had a pretty poor showing in this. She did. It's her first time. She just cried. I don't want to make any blanket statements, but I wonder if Stan and Jack don't know how to do strong woman.
0: Well, I was excited by Sif's uh, entry into our reading because it seemed like we were getting our first strong woman. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, this issue was, no, actually, we just want Balder to be attracted to her, so she needs to like hug him and cry about how she doesn't have any powers and then really contribute nothing else, which was kind of sad because, you know, Thor doesn't have powers and Balder doesn't have powers, but they both managed to continue to fight and punch and sword, and she just stands there.
1: Right. And she cool. has to have some amount of strength. Yeah. She is a god and she can fight well. And she, she knows how strength. to fight
0: with a sword, yeah. So that um, was that was sad. I hope next issue makes up for it somehow a little bit, but...
1: I think Thor has the beginnings of a cheesy 90s catchphrase Uh-oh. on page two. Uh-huh. Thou hast done most well. Now let them come, for we be truly on guard.
0: Oh, no. Asgard. That's a t-shirt.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, the living talisman, not entirely sure what they are or how no. they work, but I no. kind of love the name. Um, uh-huh. we, we met the living talisman, and they called themselves the living talisman. And then we saw the enchanters, each of whom has a face on their chest, like a talisman. Mm-hmm. Then here we find out that the living talisman are called that because they actually are just a manifestation of the little talismans the enchanters are wearing. Mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of fun, because Talisman is a dumb plural, except that it's a pun, so it works.
0: It's a cool idea. I wish they would just flesh it out a little more as to what the heck it is, but... Yeah,
1: yeah. It doesn't Um, really quite work in the level that they've
0: explained it here. They're like really acting like it's a really dangerous thing, but so far, it's just dropped a message. Uh, But that's my kind of problem with the whole thing, is as I was reading this, I'm like, why don't I love the Enchanters all that much? And it's just like... I'm still not sure what the answer is. Part of me thinks it's because it just seems like they're made up, but it's like, well, duh, all villains are made up in comic books. But like they they're, just kind of come out of nowhere, and the Asgard's like, oh, we've been fearing these people forever. It's like, have
1: you? We've had no hints of that. or And they're just nebulously powerful without any story behind them.
0: Yeah, like if they had dropped hints for the last two years about, oh, man, I hope the Enchanters never come around. That might have mm-hmm. been interesting, but it's just – it's just there's no foreshadowing, I guess.
1: That's what it's missing. No foreshadowing. Um, so let's talk about Thor's hammer being turned into molten heat levels. Okay. This is my thought process. So once the enchanter heats up his hammer to whatever dangerous levels, mm-hmm. the heat should immediately start bleeding into space, which means the hammer would cool down because it's in space. Mm-hmm. But it didn't start cooling down until they knocked Magnir out. Which I guess means he was maintaining the heat in the hammer, so it never would have cooled down on his own.
0: It's some well presumably they're magic based powers mm mm-hmm. um and Thor says the only way I know to make this to disable this spell is to knock the caster out, which worked so. Yeah, I guess he's just maintaining it. I also don't know that they're in space space because how are they talking?
1: That's true. They are talking in space. And if they can survive in space, then why were they worried about quicksand? <laughs> two, two issues again. I
0: just assume they're like really, really high up at that point where you kind of, you see space, but you're still in the atmosphere. But I don't know. Even then you shouldn't be able to talk, right?
1: Right. It's
0: yeah, kind of weird.
1: Uh, the air thins out long before it looks like you're in space cuz you
0: can still see cities on page 9 but at the same time the sky looks like they're totally in space. So it's weird. I don't know what's going on.
1: And also, back to the heat thing, does this mean that Thor can't survive extreme heat? It did say like,
0: a million suns. That's pretty extreme.
1: A million suns? Uh-huh. The heat of I'm a million suns. So don't they all just melt? <laughs> yeah. How does the hammer even maintain its integrity at that point? Just how it just like dissolving a molecular game. How do any of them hang out around a million suns? I don't know. Yeah. Um, also, I know they're not physically on the planet Earth because they've levitated the little you know, rock chunk, mm-hmm. but they are super near it and definitely in the same dimension. So I was a little surprised the 62nd enchantment didn't still apply.
0: He sure doesn't talk about that anymore, does he? No. That would have totally been a... One of the problems with his hammer being turned into a million suns that he can't touch is that he only has 60 seconds to figure out how to fix it.
1: And then it's hot forever and he'll never, well, then it gives a stick.
0: So, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't um, a problem. Wow. That wasn't a problem for him. He didn't even bring it
1: up. But he also says, <laughs> this is just, I had fun with this story. It's not great, but I had fun with it. There's just so many little weird things to the writing. The smoke comes out, and it's clinging to him, smothering his lungs. And I'm like, but you're in space, so you're not breathing.
0: Right. That's why I don't know that they can be in space. I think this was just badly. Uh, maybe the inker went the wrong way or something on this. Didn't consider all the consequences. Because, like, the splash page is a blue sky, and then the next page is dark and purple with
1: planets and stuff. It's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. At least Balder realizes that he should govern his hormones
0: i really hope this doesn't last i don't like this whole love triangle with balder already it's not balder
1: no balder does get a romantic interest later but it's not sif i'm not sure how long this lasts but it doesn't last forever
0: i don't i don't want him to be the new foggy nelson in the thor comics you know
1: no we don't need that at all do we no 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 and besides the entire universe wants to be nice to balder so shouldn't sif right balder's a good guy so we don't
0: need this to be like an excuse for him to not be a good guy.
1: But yeah, at the end of this, when it's bruisers against magicians and all the metric power has been removed, the bruisers are going to win. So goodbye, magicians. Pretty much.
0: We'll see what happens next. Unless Odin loses. Right. Guess
1: we'll what you get up. to do?
0: <sighs> Summarize more. Tale of the beginning of the end. Is that for real? Are they teasing me? Is this the beginning
1: of the end? This is the penultimate chapter. There is one more chapter after this.
0: <laughs> Conjured into being by... Mystic mogul, Satan's dreaded demon riders, attack mighty Thor for the 18th time and his two gallant companions with a savagery unmatched anywhere in the endless universe by the flaming fury of Forbush. Here be grandeur, freely given as conceived and created by Jack... Stand the man Lee and Jack King Kirby, embellished by Vince Coletta, lettered by Sam Rosen. So, yeah, they're being attacked by the Satan guys who look way different than they looked last time we saw the Satan guys. They're like these red trolls now or something. Um, and the Warriors 3 drive them back with the help of a dude who shows up and says he was the head of the Demon Riders but decided not to be. And I don't know if that means he's the guy that we saw get turned into a demon rider in the previous issue, or if it's a different guy, and I kind of didn't care to look it up. But, it was the guy
1: that was... Uh, the, okay,
0: yeah. so remember that guy, that, that mogul was like, you're going to be the head of the demon riders, and we were all wondering why he would cooperate with that. Well, I guess he didn't have to, because he does not look demonic like the rest of the demon riders, and he joins Thor and the Warriors 3 to drive them off. The demon riders aren't defeated, but they are driven off for the first time in the history of ever, according to uh, Grimm... And they wait for uh, the Riders to attack again. While that's happening, Mogul is still flying around on his magic carpet. And he still has this plague that he's going to plague the entirety of Xanadu with. Um, That doesn't happen yet, though. But the the, the people of Xanadu look up and go, (gasps) are we about to be plagued? Um, And then as the Satan Riders come back for round two, how can Thor and that one dude and the warriors 3 possibly win well they get shot and the warrior and hogan turns around like what what happened it turns out it was Volstag. so it actually wasn't the warriors 3 the whole time it was the warriors 2 Volstag, last issue found a, a giant uh, gun and he uses it on the satan's riders and they're all destroyed the end next the end exclamation doubled yeah so, Volstag saved the day. I actually liked that part. That was funny.
1: You know, I actually like this chapter. Yeah. wasn't too bad, was it? The um, the guy who was in charge of the Demon Riders was not in charge of the Demon Riders. He was being chased by them, which is what it looked like. So, that mm-hmm. whole m- maneuver by Mogul turned out to not go for him. Um, the stone horses looked cool. They looked evil. Volstag saved the day. Mogul messed up. I kind of liked this.
0: Yeah. Well, that's probably because they're finally moving forward because they're wrapping it up.
1: Yeah, they actually did something. (laughs) Right.
0: So instead of like four issues of meandering around, we finally get some uh, Satan writer action, I guess.
1: And remember the whole plot point of I'm going to spread the spotted plague all over Uh Hogan's people? Yeah. We haven't talked about that in 17 issues, but that's what he's going to do here. That's what he's going to do here. So next issue, they're going to stop him from doing
0: that or find a cure or something.
1: The only thing I kind of shook my head at was why did the Satan riders run off and then run back again? Like that didn't seem to have any point.
0: He says something like they've never been driven off before or they've never failed the first attack. So it was like, yeah, I don't know.
1: Just they, keep attacking.
0: Just yeah, but maybe they're all about the charge. So they left maybe. and then regroup and then do it again.
1: It was not. I, I. It was nice to have that feeling finishing this chapter and go, oh, that was actually fun. And there's only one more.
0: Well, it was kind of cool also that the Volstagg action from last issue carried over into this issue. I thought it was kind of just a throwaway. Yes. Fully agree. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. That whole business actually mattered because he found a gun that drove off the Satan's Riders. So
1: awesome. Do we have any notes? We do have very brief notes from our Asgardian advisor, and we're going to have Miss having his input on the show, um, but he does have some thoughts on the beginning of the end. This is Gene Hendricks. Um, he is a podcaster. He has been a uh, worshiper of the Norse gods for, I believe, his entire adult life. Um, and he has been writing in to us for every chapter of the Tales of Asgard. He says, Hogan has knowledge of the Satan's demons. That's interesting. I wonder where that came from. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Hogan, the Mongolian... How does he know about Satan's demons in the Western world in a Norse Asgard story that takes place in the Middle East?
0: Yeah, why are there Satan demons for that matter?
1: yeah and in any case, Volstag comes in at the end as the hero who to thunk it yeah Volstag gonna Volstag but sometimes he actually does it yeah um so yeah, that is the end of Thor one hundred forty four which means we have one more comic one more comic. How am I doing both of the Daredevil synopses? I don't know. It just worked out that way. Daredevil 32. Now, to a brief word about our process here, we take other comics within a particular week of release. We sort them chronologically within that week. So this Daredevil comic is the next week of release, which is July 11th. So it was not, it it came out two weeks after the annual.
0: Right. So it's continuing. The annual split up. A two-part story.
1: Yeah. It's continuing the arc that was going on the monthlies. The annual just came out, you know, smack in the middle of it. Right. Which happens with annuals. All right. So on the cover, we've got Daredevil being lifted up in the air by Bane. I mean, by (sighs) Mr. Hyde. And Cobra is doing some yoga behind him and says to fight the impossible fight. To dream the impossible dream. To live the impossible life. Yeah. Can any man, even Daredevil, successfully battled two deadly super powered foes when he himself is totally blind and his own super senses are lost to him the answer to that question better be yes or this may be the last we'll ever see of our fearless friend like forever how do they do it month after month smile and stan lee and genial gene Colon have another winner on their hands inked by john Tartaglioni. And lettered by Sam Rosen. Instant update department. The evil Mr. Hyde tossed a potent chemical at D.D. in order to blind him. But since our hero is already blind, the chemical deadened his super senses instead. Now, more helpless than ever before, D.D. Dee Dee is captured by Hyde's power mad partner, the Cobra. And this is only the beginning. So, just another addition to that recap. Daredevil thought he was walking through town <laughs> with Foggy. Yeah. And turns out it wasn't Foggy, it was Cobra. Well, Cobra, uh, like, ambushed Foggy. Mm -hmm. And now he's ambushed Daredevil, sneaks him over to his car where Mr. Hyde is hanging out with a very weird-looking face. (laughs) They drive off. Foggy has been knocked out on the street. He's like, okay, police. Police. Um, My friend Daredevil is helpless. He's blind. And he's been carried off by bad guys. And the police guy's like, Daredevil? (laughs) Blind? (laughs) That's like saying the Hulk is anemic. Get out of here, kid. You bother me. So Foggy's like, Oh, I don't know what to do now. So uh, Hyde and Cobra put Daredevil in a speedboat and they speed out to a lighthouse. Dun dun dun. Oh. There's lots of waves and weather, and Daredevil's like, I don't know where I'm going because I can't see. But they get to the lighthouse. Um, they go up the lighthouse steps because there's always like you know, big cylindrical steps up to the top of the tower in the lighthouse where all the machinery and the lights are. And Daredevil's like, okay, I'm confident there's got to be a cure to the blindness serum somewhere in here. So all I got to do, figure out where it is. Um, Meanwhile, Hyde and Cobra are like arguing amongst themselves. So while they're arguing, Daredevil like finds his way into another room where there's the big power generator and he finds the power switch and pulls the switch, and the lights go out. So now, not only is Daredevil blind, but the bad guys are blind too. But of course, Daredevil has had more um, uh, practice maneuvering without sight. So Mr. High's like, okay, um, if Daredevil's in the dark, I better go grab the antidote so that he doesn't get it. So he grabs the antidote, Daredevil's like, I knew he would do that, I'm gonna go after him. So there's some fighting with Daredevil and Cobra and... Mr. Hyde, and the antidote keeps on getting like tossed up in the air and caught and lost and tossed over and over again, um, until finally Daredevil does find the bottle, pop off the cap, drinks the entire thing, because who knows what this stuff is or what the proper dosage is. I'm just gonna chug the bottle. Uh huh. So he does, and then guess what? The lights come back on, metaphorically speaking, with Daredevil super senses. And when they can't see because it's dark, Daredevil is able to take both guys down with his super awesome Daredevil abilities. Um, Mr. Hyde makes a getaway in his speedboat, but Daredevil is able to get the police to get a chopper over and arrest King, Co- not King Cobra, arrest the Cobra. Next, beaten by the Beetle. Ooh, I wonder who's gonna be in that one. Uh, is it gonna be Paul, John, George, or Ringo? Who knows? Okay, you wanna hear you wanna hear Dumb John moment? Yeah, okay. Um I never occurred to me that the reason Beatles is spelled as the Beatles with uh-huh. the A uh-huh. is because it's the beat uh uh-huh. uh-huh. until like two months ago. The O'Neaters. Yes, the O'Neaters from from that thing you do uh-huh. is a Joke on the same thing, but like as a kid, I was like, Why do they spell the Beatles with an A? Is it because they're British? That's weird. I just never thought about it.
0: That's a legit good reason, though.
1: Yeah, <laughs> when you're a little American boy, you know the British spell things differently, they do, they totally do. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, and I just never put two and two together like you do. You grow up with these misconceptions, you yeah. never think about them, they just live yeah, in your brain. They're
0: just part of it. Led Zeppelin isn't spelled properly, so right? Whatever.
1: Yeah. So, um, what you think about this one?
0: You know, I've been holding my breath a lot when I open up a Daredevil comic, but mm-hmm. both the annual and this were pretty normal, so that was kind of a nice change. I don't even think he says the word yeah. Mike in here once.
1: No, there is no Mike Murdoch in this. It's just a straight up Daredevil story, and yeah, it was it was a night it was it felt more like a Daredevil story than the annual did because I actually kind of cared about what was going on, and Foggy was there being Foggy, mm-hmm. and not just you know, marking time.
0: Yeah, it was cool. Like we, this just seemed, I don't know, like Daredevil still doesn't really focus a lot on the street yet. (laughs) Now we got him at a lighthouse. Sometimes he's off in another country fighting robots or whatever. So in a way, this is really the way it has been, only less um, insane as the last few issues were. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it was fun. It's kind of a cool ending. I think that it's a little loosey goosey with science and stuff, but that you know that's a superhero thing.
1: Well, as I've grown older, I've realized that the assumption that someone must have created an antidote mm-hmm. is a heck of a lot bolder an assumption than most stories would suggest. Right? Why would I care? Right? You make something that can do something. You don't necessarily make something, or even maybe can make something that will undo it. Right. Not everything in science is reversible. A lot of things aren't.
0: And like you said, you don't know how much dosage you should have taken. And it's funny that like as soon as the lights go out, Hyde's like, oh, I better find the 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 antidote, which is, you know, he could have said nothing and then Daredevil would have been screwed.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But outside um, of that I liked it. Yeah. No, it's good. They're the lab being at the top of a lighthouse. Was completely ridiculous. Like, it didn't have to be out there. It just made for a good stage uh-huh. setting for the fight scene. But, uh-huh. you know, it works. It's comics. It is very moody. Like, like Gene Collins is pretty good at stormy weather and lighthouses. Just why would you? Oh, wait a second. This is Mr. Hyde's laboratory. That's why it's at the top of an isolated tower. Okay, never mind. Sure.
0: Yeah. It's very gothic. It's very, you know, horror movie. Hunchback. Well, he's not the hunchback, though.
1: No, no, no. But there's a very similar vibe.
0: With yeah, him. there is. I've never read uh, the Mr. Hyde original
1: story, have you? Whatever it's called. No, um, but whenever we were doing it, when we were covering the very first story, I did read the synopsis of it. Oh, okay. So I had the basic idea of how the story goes. It's like a London um, guy. Well, it's 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 a mystery told from another person's perspective. The other person doesn't oh. realize that Jekyll and Hyde are the same person. That's the reveal at the end.
0: Is it Mary Shelley? Cause I don't think they make so. a Mary Shelley movie that was like that or something? with. Julia Roberts? I never saw that movie, but...
1: I don't think it's Shelley.
0: Okay. Um, no, Mary Shelley is the Frankenstein's creator. What am I talking about? There was a movie with Julia Roberts where it's like, from her point of view, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, so maybe that was like actually a faithful adaptation of the the, 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 the novel or something. I don't know. Mary Riley. That's what I meant to say. Not Mary Shelley.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know that name, but I did look it up, and it's Robert Louis Stevenson.
0: Is the, is the guy who's witnessing the... Whatever in the story.
1: No, I'm sorry. Is the person who wrote the story. You're saying that Mary. Well, I'm a- I was just asking was?
0: you were saying somebody it was from the point of view of somebody. And I was just wondering if it was supposed to be this Julia Roberts character, because I remember they made a film like that.
1: They may have redone the story with a female character instead. But uh, Gabriel John Utterson is the oh, okay. practitioner who's experiencing okay. or investigating rather the story.
0: Never mind. I think she's like a maid in the story or something. So whatever. That was a really long tangent for no purpose. Because none no, of that okay. has anything to do with Mr. Hyde in Marvel Comics either. But
1: Also, Jekyll and Hyde both have a first name that never gets mentioned by anyone except for in the story. It's Dr. Henry Jekyll and evil Edward Hyde. Oh.
0: So well, in Henry the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, What's-Her-Face calls him Edward all the time, I think.
1: Okay. Okay. Um. But Yeah. I don't think I have anything else on this. I'm just looking at my notes real quick. Um, Yep. it's a good thing. The vial wasn't made of glass, but other than that, it was, it was fun. And as we have been doing more and more often of late, we are running just a bit on the short side. Um, So Mike and I have been talking and we think that five issues per episode is going to become more of the standard for a while. And just to see how it feels rather than the exceptions. So we're going to throw in the Avengers 44. And then whenever I give the homework at the end of the episode, we're going to name five issues And we're only going to knock off the fifth if the four take too long, but we're going to dive into the Avengers 44. So if you have not read the Avengers 44, hit pause, go read it, then come back.
0: And the cover, welcome to the wonderful world of Marvel madness, which seemingly has nothing to do with anything, but interesting. Although I guess it looks like a mad, 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 mad world on the cover, kind of with all the fighting going on. But uh, yeah, it's like really, really crazy. Yeah, it's the Avenger. It's all the Avengers fighting um, people and the Red Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got this one. The Valiant also die. E. Pluribus Marvel. Be it hereby known to all true believers that the Titanic team of Stanley Editor, Roy Thomas Writer, and John Buscema Artist have co created yet another mind bending modern masterpiece. Signed, Vince Coletta Inker, Sam Rosen Letterer. Okay, so we signed the thing already. Now, can we have our paychecks? Vince and Sam. Um, It doesn't really say There's a caption But it doesn't really Give us a recap Last we saw um, Hawkeye and Black Widow Were both captured By a joining Of the Russian and, And you know Generic Asian forces With the Red Guardian laughing and cackling and revealing that he is the husband of Black Widow and also that he really, really wants to fight Captain America. You could have a drinking game to how often he says he wants to fight Captain America. He says it again right here in the very beginning. And then, like, they show off to Hawkeye that, oh, Hercules also came along, but he has been um, incapacitated by the Psychotron, which is the whole business with this story arc. So the Psychotron, you turn it on, And it makes the person see, like, their worst fear or something. So in Hercules' case, he's been fighting this, like, hydra that is seemingly unbeatable. No matter how much he punches it, it keeps coming because it's not real. So he's just stuck there. We finally get an idea of why why the psychotron is actually a good weapon because they keep saying it's way better than, like, you know – the nuclear bomb and stuff. And we keep going, huh? Is it really? That's kind of dumb, but it turns out it's not just supposed to be for one-on-one purposes. It's actually supposed to induce mass hysteria. And then their idea is while everybody's freaking out over invisible fears, they can just gun everybody down. And then unlike a nuclear bomb, all the resources are there for the taking. So that kind of makes a little more sense. Um, Then the Russian, I think, decides you should retest Black Widow because we're only basically going off the, a sniveling informant from S.H.I.E.L.D. as to whether she's actually an informant from S.H.I.E.L.D. and Black Widow's like, I swear I'm not. So they put her in this crazy, like, Kirby-looking headgear that's like a truth-telling device and she passes. So they let her free. And Red Guardian puts his arm around her and says, yeah, we're married again. And she's like, yup. And Hawkeye's like, Aw. Um The Fantastic Four. It totally looks like a Fantastic Four ship. But no, this pseudo-Quinjet somehow is tracking Hawkeye. They never really narrow down how they figured out or who who set off the tracking device, but they're assuming either Hawkeye or Hercules, which seems suspect in both cases to me. But whatever. Anyway, the Avengers get there. Um, They are attacked by the minions that uh, work for or, you know, are part of the army of these two joined Red Forces. Um, the Avengers go to town on them. Scarlet Witch and Wasp in particular are pretty awesome in this fight. Uh, Cap's like, well, while you guys are fighting them, I'm going to go scout ahead and try and figure out where Hawkeye and them all are. But he falls for that, that, uh, stereotypical, uh, villainous, uh, uh, open trap door trick. And he ends up in a glass tube just like Hawkeye. Unlike Hawkeye, though, he's Captain America. So he just breaks right out. And he and the Red Guardian get into a big, awesome, like, 10-page fight or something. Um, But Cap ultimately, after the Red Guardian holds his own for a while, Cap ultimately is getting the upper hand, which makes the head honchos nervous. So they press a button on their gizmo doodad. And the floor shocks Cap. And he's unconscious. Uh, Red Guardian does not like this. He yells at them and says, dude, I had him, A, and B, he's too cool of an opponent for you guys to have tricked him like that. That's not fair. Uh, while all this is happening, though, Black Widow has decided to climb up the uh Psychotron with her awesome suction cups that she got way back in Tales of Suspense, blah, 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 blah. And... Uh, <laughs> And she breaks it. She shoots it, or I don't know what she does with it. It doesn't actually show it on panel, but she somehow disables it. And they don't notice till it's too late. They start shooting at her. Red Guardian blocks one of the major bullets, takes the hit for his wife. And then out of nowhere, Hawkeye, who managed to escape somehow, we'll have to figure that one out in a second too, uh, starts shooting arrows at them. And then he catches Black Widow before she falls because she unfortunately does get hit by a ricochet bullet. But... She did turn off the psychotron, so guess what? Hercules comes ripping out of the steel uh, steel room, and he's like, "What's going on?" And he sees a shot Black Widow being held by Hawkeye and an unconscious Captain America, and the room is on fire. So Hawkeye's like, "Yeah, can you get us out of here?" He's like, "Verily," and he picks up a a giant like you know computer thing and just tosses it through the roof. And the Avengers see that, so they fly on over in their pseudo Quinjet and they pick him up by rope. Um, one of the main bad guys is like, no, you must be destroyed. I'm not going to let you get away with this. And just as he's about to shoot Cap and Hercules, Cap unconscious, Hercules holding him, uh, the Red Guardian is like, no, you are a bad, bad guy. You should have morals and character. And he punches him. And that makes him shoot something else, which makes everything explode, which makes the entire island explode, basically, as the Avengers fly off. Um, then we get some like low key scenes where cap's like, man, I understand what it's like to dress patriotically and live by a code. I'm really going to miss that guy. And, uh, Hawkeye's really worried about black widow, but, and ultimately after multiple panels of worry, she's fine. And then she kind of recaps things like a, the shield made her actually think that she was working for the enemy. So that's how she passed the lie detector. And then she goes into a little bit of her background where she was married to the Red Guardian, but then back then he was an astronaut. And then Russia like faked his death and told her that he died so that A, they could create the Red Guardian in secret and B, they could trick her into joining like the Black Widow spy program. Um, So those Russians are big stinking liars. The end. Next issue, Blitzkrieg in Central Park.
1: Right. Yeah. So Red Guardian, he's all washed up and- Dead now. And We never see him again. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, he's gonna be in the. He's gonna be in the in the movie. So how do we never see him again?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I know that there's been multiple Red Guardians. I don't know the history on all of them. So I don't know if this is legit. The last time we see this one, or if he comes back, or what the deal. I'm guessing he comes back. That's too easy, right?
1: It seems that way. And just flipping through, um, <clears throat> you have to look up his actual name,
0: which I don't remember already. Uh,
1: there's. There's like a Golden Age era Red Guardian, but not Golden really? Age stories, but like modern stories about that era. okay. Oh, a Captain okay. America annual and a Captain America Patriot issue. Mm. This is the main Red Guardian. There's a Red Guardian 3, Dr. Tanya Belinsky. She's feeding And a Red around, Guardian yeah. 4, Joseph Petkus, who becomes Steel Guardian. Um, Red so Guardian is, 3 turns into Starlight. So this is Red one Guardian 1, basically? 2. Red Guardian 2.
0: This is 2, even though he's the first one?
1: Uh, I guess they're numbering in order of uh, story events. That's so a bad since idea. Since Captain America: Patriot takes place in the 40s, he gets to be Red Guardian one.
0: Sure, until they write a Red Guardian from World War One, and now they got to renumber everything. That's but just They all bad. get shifted. Bad. There have been bad strategy. Eight, eight Red Guardians. Okay. Holy well, well, there's been a lot of Captain Americas too. That's true. One of the Red Guardians got shot in the head in the original Brewbreaker storyline. I remember that, but I don't know which one it was.
1: Um, That'd be Captain America issues, right?
0: Yeah. Volume 5, number 1 or something like that. Volume 6, Volume 5. I don't know what – I lost track of volumes. Right. The 2005 Um, series.
1: Okay. That looks like it's going to be – no, that's Red Hulk, not Red Guardian. I don't I don't have on the list I'm looking at, I did not see any Red Guardians with issues in America. It wasn't America. number one. Oh. I believe you, but I just don't see it in this particular list. This particular Red Guardian is not going to come back until the second volume of Daredevil. So that's okay, a so long he does time live.
0: From now. This is the one I'm thinking of, who gets killed, is named Krasno graninsky which is I don't think this guy, right? <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, that's Red Guardian 5. He has appearances in Mighty Avengers. I did not see an appearance in Captain America.
0: Uh but he get, he got killed at it in Captain America number 1 or maybe he comes back.
1: Okay. Oh, here we go. Red Guardian 6. Captain America uh volume 5 issue 1 flashback. Okay. okay. So that's another Red Guardian. Let's you say it's Krasno Granitsky. This one says it's not. I don't know which one Okay. Which.
0: Well, that I don't know cuz they don't yeah. say. But uh but kind of a cool case. idea. I like it like because, you know, they haven't really established that for Cap yet in our readings, but, like, it happened with him, so why not Russia? Like, you have a star-spangled propaganda superhero, just redress somebody else as the same, <laughs> the same person.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure because he seems to be on a par with Captain America, and we know that Captain America has a super soldier serum, but, mm. while well, I say that, on the Marvel fans 19... 19- 56 to 86 or whatever it is group, 61 Mm -hmm. to 86. Mm -hmm. There's been some debate recently about just how much super soldier serum Captain America has. So if he's just peak of human perfection, and this dude is trained to peak of human perfection, then you don't need a super soldier serum for that.
0: Well, we've already talked about how, like, the Stan era kind of doesn't want him to be a super soldier. They want him to be a guy who drinks his milk and does his push-ups, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: But on the other hand, he totally smashes out of this tube like nobody's business, and Hawkeye couldn't figure that out, so... Yeah. That seems a little different. What's interesting uh, is that is, and you know, this is what the problem with retcons and stuff, but it seems like they act like this is the first ever Red Guardian. As of last issue, they acted like he's a new thing that they just created. Right. And then here you're saying that there's a Red Guardian one that happens in World War II somewhere. So it's not really a new thing.
1: So just just for flash for, for, for context, he appears in a Namor Submariner annual. He appears in a Captain America Annual 13 in a flashback, and he appears in Captain America Patriot, number two. So yeah. those are those are the only three issues where he appears. And I don't know, Captain America Annual 13 is at least 13 years away. I don't know when it comes out, but that's you know, a ways down the road. Yeah. Um, Hawkeye, poor Hawkeye, does not know what to believe when it comes to Black Widow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm looking at him on page five. He's just, he's all mixed up she's you know in love with her husband. He wants her to be in love with him. He mm-hmm. doesn't even think of if she's a spy or not, and she's claiming she is one, and she can pass the test. So he's like, I don't know. I want I want her to be on our side.
0: Do you think that slap-on in the end on how she got out of it was kind of shenanigans, though? Because yeah. I don't feel like the last two issues, she's believed that she's a spy. Mm-mm. But that's what they're saying happened, that like she was under hypnosis, and as soon as she got access to the whatever that device was called, then she snapped out of it.
1: And we could go back and look at it, but certainly whenever she said goodbye, she was thinking about how she -hmm. was doing it. You know, she had to make it a a cold goodbye to hurt Hawkeye. So he wouldn't come after her. He'd let her Mm go. So, I mean, when did that supposed belief kick in? Was it last Tuesday or was it before she left? I don't know.
0: And she's been doing this for not just this two parter. She's been doing this as a side gig in Avengers for like multiple issues. Mm hmm. And there was many times where her thought bubble was, I have to escape and report back or whatever. So it was like, right. Wow. Right. That doesn't make any sense
1: then. Well, speaking of her whole adventure and Avengers, Avengers, adventures, um, the whole psychotron they were using on her, uh-huh. they say that like, they want to know why the psychotron failed uh-huh. on her. And I thought it was pretty effective while it was turned on. She seemed pretty paralyzed. So did they expect it would drive her permanently insane? Is that what they're hoping could be a weapon that it would like? Is
0: that what happened or was it that she escaped it? They left it on and she escaped it. I I couldn't really remember what the deal was there.
1: I thought they turned it off, but I could be wrong.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think they did turn it off and leave her there. But that doesn't, they don't really ever explain that answer anyway. Like how it didn't affect her. Yeah, they do turn it off. I'm looking at it right now. He believes that my will is broken. Good. Now I must put the second part of Nick Fury's plan into operation. Really, hypnotize Black Widow?
1: <laughs> there you are. Last Definitely. issue. She's putting Nick Fury's plan into action.
0: Right. And they, so they don't explain it. And then in the end, they do this hypnosis thing. But it's like, yeah, that doesn't really explain the Psychotron business. Okay. So I'm
1: wondering if maybe she says the hypnosis thing as a cover. Ah. We could go with that. Because is she the one who tells them that she was hypnotized into believing? Yep. Okay. And
0: and in theory, like a secret agent could know how to f- pass a truth test.
1: Nick Fury covered for it. We got it from Nick Fury himself, how you were under post-hypnotic suggestion to oh, believe Nick. you were on their side. He, she says, yes, only thus could I have resisted the psychotron. Um, I think that they're covering for each other for whatever reason. They're spies.
0: Yeah. And how does that resist the psychotron? That doesn't, it, I understand how that would resist the truth telling device, but not the psychotron, right,
1: not the psychotron, which and predicts then, your spheres.
0: There's also other unanswered questions. Like I said, in the synopsis, like how the Avengers are tracking a homing signal, but no, they don't know who turned it on. And we never get that answer. Their theory is either Hawkeye and someone says, no, but he didn't want us to follow. And I agree. He didn't. So then they're like, well, maybe Hercules did it. It's like, Hercules does not know anything about homing devices. I'm sorry. He just was along for the ride and right. the adventure.
1: He um, has muscles, not so many and, brain cells.
0: And then there was another unanswered question. Uh, the capsule that was holding Hawkeye, it suddenly blew open like a paper bag. But why? I haven't done anything. I'm just standing here. Oh, well, I'll figure it out later. And I thought at some point it'd be revealed that like Black Widow sabotaged it while no one was looking or something. But I think they forgot. <laughs> they anything. just forgot to. <laughs> yeah. They never really said what made that happen. So interesting.
1: Did you notice that they're using a lot of civilian names in the field in this these days? Like calling each other Steve and and Right. Yeah. Or, or Or Steve Rogers, you know? Yeah. And it's just, I mean, you're in the field. There are bad guys around. You're not supposed to be doing that.
0: It makes me wonder, and they'll probably never answer this, but it makes me wonder how secret Cap's identity is at this point. Like, why would it be secret? Hmm. I don't know. No, it would be because they had fake Captain America. So they kept it that way, maybe. I don't know. But like if you look at the MCU, and not that it's the same as comics, but like he's going around in in the natural history or whatever museum that was. I forget. And like they're talking about Steve Rogers joined this and was 4F and all that. It's like, well, that's out.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's completely out. But I don't know that the world has ever thought Cap was dead for more than five minutes at this point. But then eventually then eventually you start going like, okay, but fifties cap was a really long time ago if Cap, quote unquote, wakes up in two thousand eight, you know, with the sliding timeline thing. So at some point at some point the world thinks Cap is dead dead. At which point do they just release all his information and make a museum out of him? Or or does are we supposed to not know who he is? And does it matter?
1: I feel like Yeah. I feel like there's no reason for Steve Rogers to have a civilian identity. Until the day comes when he wants to have a civilian identity.
0: And it would be easier just to create a civilian identity. Right. Call yourself Larry Sanders or
1: something. Right. And Steve Rogers isn't too crazy a name. Maybe he just goes out there and calls himself Steve Rogers and Mm -hmm. no one thinks, oh, you're secretly Captain America? Why Mm -hmm. would you think that? I'm just trying to sell you my cartoons.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, only Marvel would know. Right. (laughs) So – yeah, I think even in the Golden Age, we kind of made fun of the fact that he had a secret identity. Like, why did he need this? He doesn't need this. Yeah, the privacy Steve weird.
1: Rogers in the Golden Age thing is ludicrous.
0: <laughs> it just makes zero sense. It's just a Clark Kent you know, thing or something.
1: But things I liked in this, I was happy to see Hawkeye and Black Widow reunite at the end for however mm-hmm. long that's going to last. Mm-hmm. Um, I was happy to see these two um, Soviet antagonists uh, perish. They're off the table now. Um, I'm intrigued by red guardian. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but like we said, there's not a lot of red guardian again for a long time. In it was fact, cool. Red that, guardian,
0: it was cool that he turned a little more, uh, moral in the end. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't want to kill everybody, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: he wasn't just cackling and talking about how awesome he was. It's like, he wanted to have a decent man to man fight and not be traitorous and weird. Right. I like that.
1: The next Red Guardian shows up in Defenders thirty five. So oh my get god! To the, when we get to the mid seventies, that's when our <laughs> Red Guardian will come back. That's a long time. Yeah, so no Red Guardian for the foreseeable future.
0: That's sad. I kind of like him as a concept, but I wish they would have shown us more like how he was created or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they don't really get into that at all.
1: No, they don't. They just gloss over all that. I'd like to see that too. And that does that
0: really? That doesn't really gel. Uh, again, I don't really know my black widow very well but like it doesn't really gel with the origin i think of a black widow like the red room and all the training and stuff to have her just be a widow and have the guy go hey you want to be a spy for us your husband's dead
1: yeah so that's what i was thinking about on the last page remember she's talking about you know whenever she finds out that he's dead mm-hmm. they say you'll be glad to know he died a hero testing weapons for use against our enemies if only i could do something to be worthy of his memory perhaps yeah. there is something tell me what it is yeah. i'll do anything Right. And they don't say what it is, assuming she, that's when she becomes the Black Widow and she goes to work for the uh, for the military government. But right. they don't actually say that. Yeah.
0: and other comics I've read, she was a child when they recruited her. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't get Black Widow. Maybe Black Widow's origin is just all a bunch of lying all the time because that's how she is.
1: Maybe she likes her past to be in multiple choice like the Joker. Mm-hmm. But I think I've got everything on this one. Unless yeah. you have anything else. I think we did it. Okay. Well, uh, we will be back next week to talk about five issues of comics, probably. Fantastic Four 67, Tales to Astonish, uh, Lies, hold on, Fantastic Four 67, yeah, yeah. The Avengers, more Avengers? <laughs> yes, King Size, number one, Ooh. Tales to Astonish, 96, The X-Men, 36, and probably Amazing Spider-Man 53, which if we do all of that will take us to the end of July, 1967.
0: Yay. So where can they find us? They can find us at makeoursmarvel.com. You're going to find links to all our social media on Facebook, on Twitter, all our social media, a whole two links, Facebook and Twitter. Um, All the links to the, coolest uh apps as far as i can tell or just our rss feed you can also find a contact form if you want to reach out to us or you can just write directly podcast at make i'm on
1: twitter at john reads comics mike is on twitter at kaiser the great on our facebook i'm sorry on our website page there's a paypal link so we always uh, appreciate people leave a tip in the tip jar there so we'll be back next week so be sure to listen and until then or until Red Guardian shows up again wearing one of Hawkeye's costumes,
0: make ours Marvel.